Hello, once again, this is Greg Pettix, and you are listening to the Fantasy Comic Book Editor League, issue number 22. So we're nearing the end of the 70s here. Uh, Last uh, episode, we closed out 1977, so uh, let's move on to 1978. Oh, actually, before we do, one more thing I forgot to mention. Our uh, weekly anthology, Amazing Weekly, um, I've been saying how just any like great little comics that were around in the seventies, we'd gobble them up, put them in there, you know, things that were just like not part of a comic universe, unique little tales, um, you know, weird stuff. But I thought of one that amazing weekly needs more than anything in the seventies, because I'm sure this writer would be writing for us already. He wouldn't be working for Marvel. They wouldn't have been uh, cool enough for him. He would have come over. He's probably been writing a bunch of our titles. And uh, the man I'm talking about is Steve Gerber and his creation, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck was in the Marvel Universe, but, you know, it was just kind of weird. It didn't really belong in there. It was this great satire, funny animal comic, kind of more for adults and children. I remember that comic when I was a little kid. I thought it was just bad. I was like, I want to read... comic books about Hawkeye and uh, Black Goliath. This is weird. It's a duck, and he's cracking weird jokes that I don't get. Of course, as I got older, I bought all the issues. I learned to appreciate Howard the Duck. Hard to believe that that comic was published by Marvel, and it was like a hot seller, too. It was hot. He was the Wolverine of his day, Howard the Duck. Or the Deadpool, I guess I should say, for you younger readers. But yeah, Howard the Duck around 75 would have been starting to appear in Amazing Weekly, written by Steve Gerber. Uh, Frank Brenner is already drawing for us. Maybe you'd have time to do a few, but, you know, Gene Colan, all the great Howard the Duck artists, I guess those are the two main ones that you think of. Um, Val Myrick, too, uh, who actually drew Howard the Duck first. So that would have been appearing in Amazing Comics Weekly since 75, I imagine. And that's going to go on for a long time because when Howard the Duck came out, it kind of caused a sensation. People really love that shit. So they're going to love it more because we're not going to interfere with Steve Gerber and dick him over like Marvel did. And that's why Steve Gerber left. And after that, Howard the Duck sucked. He was basically, without Steve Gerber, Howard the Duck doesn't work. It was his singular creation that reflected his personality. Okay, 1978. We got another title premiering that is uh, just a blatant, it's just sad how unimaginative I am. But I kind of want, I just love Wolverine. I'm sorry. After Spider-Man, you know, when I was a kid, they had all these new superheroes come out. None of them were that great. But I think Wolverine's a classic superhero. Um, Probably one of the last classic superheroes to be created, uh, at least in like mainstream superhero comics. You know, ever since then, it's just riffs on a theme or, uh, I don't know, Deadpool just because he cracks jokes and breaks the fourth wall. But he's really not this amazing character. But Wolverine, obviously, he's got the mystery. He's got great powers, cool personality, interesting personality, complex. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. That was gross. So... 1978 is the premiere of our comic called Wolfen, and it's going to be drawn by John Byrne. And, I mean, I might as well just call it Wolverine, because 
maybe Wolverine wouldn't have been created in the in this universe at Marvel because maybe Len Wein was writing for us in 1974 or whatever when Wolverine was created. He probably was. He was probably writing Swamp Beast for Bernie Wrightson. Duh. So for, I just we'll call him Wolfen. He's just gonna be like this cool, kick-ass character, uh, just a great superhero, and uh, doesn't even have to have claws, or whatever. So, and John Byrne, you know, he's already drawing Ms. Nova, but John Byrne back then he could draw two, even three titles a month, pretty and solidly, very well. So it's not a stretch that he's gonna be drawing two comics now, and um, a month. And John Byrne didn't create Wolverine, but when he took over the new X-Men, uh, he made Wolverine his own, almost. It's basically John Byrne made Wolverine into a superstar. And because uh, before that, he was just this, like, I don't know, what do you call those, anti-hero, kind of always bitching and being a little jerk, kind of like Hawkeye. But Byrne made him compelling. And so... If there is a character in our universe that's kind of like Wolverine, Byrne would have latched onto it. So he's still drawn Ms. Nova, and now he's drawn that. Okay, so the uh, Amazing Tales annual for that year, no surprise, third part of our trilogy, The Civil War by John Severin. It's a historical retelling of The Civil War. Part of me, though, would like if there was little, like, Easter egg cameos of some of our Western characters, or characters that lived during mid-1800s in it. Um, even even from some of the books of literature that we've been adapting in Amazing Tales. Uh, I think that would be fun. And uh, because even though uh, the, Mar- the Amazing Universe, you know, real historical things did happen, even though things from literature also happened. But uh, a lot of times literature reflects reality, uh, war and peace, you know, there's... Those are real events they're describing, just made-up characters. So who knows? Maybe we could play around with history a little. This is the first time Amazing Tales has not adapted literature and it just done a historical event. Okay, 1979. We got uh, a new comic. And uh, I don't know what's up with this character. I just thought he would be cool. I think when I was a little kid, I came up with him. It's not like it's that original. But um, maybe it was after I saw the movie Beastmaster. I thought that was so cool. A guy who, like, he he was in touch with the animals. Not like Dr. Doolittle. He could actually, like, have cool animals, like, fight with him. So Eagle is the name of our character. And he's going to be a Native American character. And he's going uh, to have a wolf and a hawk. And, I don't know, some other character? A, a mouse? I mean, I could totally rip off a Beastmaster, just have a couple of ferrets. But, um, yeah, I just think he'd be, but he'd be, like, fighting in the city, fighting crime, doing all kinds of crazy adventures. And, um, but with these animal characters, I don't even know what his powers would be. Maybe he's just a normal dude other than that. But maybe he's got some, I don't know, Native American mystical shit going on. And uh, that could be interesting. He could team up with fucking Dr. Warlock 
They can get into some crazy shenanigans together. So who's going to draw that? Well, we're finally going to have a switcheroo here from Paul Gullis. He's been drawing Dragon Fist for five years. But I figure he's probably tired of it by now. And so Paul Gullis would be coming over drawing Eagle. And, you know, I picture for some reason Eagle being like a knight, more knight-type character. And Paul Gullis, he's great at that shit. I don't know why I always pictured Eagle with his wolf. They're like running through the cities and fighting crime or doing whatever they do. But, um, yeah, that would be, uh, I think the, there was no character who had his own title at the time. It was Native American in American comics. But, uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk about some social shit, especially because that was very popular in the seventies. The relevant comics as they called them where superhero comics would tackle, you know, big issues of the day, usually ineptly and sophomorically, but at least they tried. So, we got some switcheroos now. 1979, January, still there. And, uh, so who's going to take over Dragon Fist now that Paul Gullisey's drawing Eagle for us? Oh, we got another young Turkin. A young man named Frank Miller drawing Dragon Fist, our martial arts hero. And that's going to be perfect. I mean, Frank Miller, uh, other than drawing like a film noir crime comic, He's so good at that kind of shit. He obviously infused his early Daredevil run with that. And that's kind of what made it a lot of what made it popular. All of his ninjas and having all that fun shit. So just Miller is just a great storyteller. And maybe he'd just start writing pretty quickly his own shit. Because he was one of the best comic writers at that time. Especially in mainstream comics. And uh, so yeah, I'm really glad we got Frank Miller in there. And hopefully, whenever he has free time, he'll be doing fill-ins. Because I want as much out of that guy as we can. Then again, maybe, you know, he had a lot of ideas of his own. Maybe he'll be an amazing weekly. He'll have a little few series here and there, short stories. He's a Frank Miller. It's kind of it's kind of hard to remember now that he's kind of a kooky old nut. But he really was fucking brilliant. And uh, especially when he came out, man, he was hitting it out of the ballpark every time he stepped up to bat. So, now let's go to Night Hunter. Night Hunters are like monster hunting, you know, magical kick-ass dude. So who's going to take that over? This is going to be good. Alex Nino. Alex Nino has been drawing Thor. And uh, that's been beautiful. Him drawing all those beautiful vistas. But now him doing Night Hunter with all the crazy sorcery and magic. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Alex Nino can just go nuts creating monsters and uh, just other dimensions. And, you know, it's not as good as Dr. Warlock, but, uh, you know, Night Hunter gets into some crazy shit too, even though he's not as cosmic. And uh, so, who's going to take over Thor now that uh, Alex Nino is going over to Night Hunter? Another young entry into our stable of fine artists. We're, we're poaching him before anyone else did in America from England, Brian Bolland. Brian Bolland at this point was already fucking killing it on Judge Dredd for 2000 AD. Um, just amazing stuff. Uh, the line work, the detail, the photorealism, so fucking good. But you know, I didn't, nobody I knew at, when I was that age, we didn't know who Brian Bolland was. We didn't get 2000 AD in America. So, uh, 
it was a few years before DC started poaching all the great writers and artists from England. The the British invasion, even though it was kind of more like <clears throat> just going on a safari that DC did. But, you know, just like we were early on the tip of the Filipino scene, you know, Amazing Comics is a lot smarter than DC. And we give a shit about actually finding great artists, not just who we can pay the cheapest to hack out some shit. So we'd be, we would have been looking at other comics throughout the world and been like, holy shit, we're getting this guy. This Brian Ballin character. He's going to draw Thor for us. Now, Brian Ballin can draw fucking anything. So um, I think it'll be interesting to have his take on Thor. Um, it'll be going back to a more illustrative style. We've had a bunch of kooky artists the past uh, two switcheroos. But I think that'll be good for Brian Ballant. Okay, so... Next, Swamp East will be taken over by Tom Sutton. And uh, Tom Sutton, great artist. Uh, I talked about him earlier. He's been drawing Night Hunter all this time. And uh, so now he's going to be drawing Swamp Beast. Perfect for Tom Sutton. He almost always drew horror stuff or a little science fiction, but he really just seemed to thrive on that, on that in that genre. So that's a Swamp Beast for you. Mike Plug had been drawing it, and uh, I could just—I just couldn't find a comic I wanted Mike Plug to draw. Um, but I mean, he's going to be drawing tons of cool short stories for us. Mike Plug's one of those artists that is so good. I almost want him to just like have his uh, have an unfettered uh, canvas, whatever he wants to draw. If he wants to draw some crazy fantasy barbarian comic. Whatever he wants. Some science fiction thing. He's going to do that for Amazing Weekly. And probably for Zero. Our uh, adult comic magazine. So uh, maybe my... And of course he'll be drawing fill-ins. Whatever he can. Uh, some of the annuals. So it's not like we're going to kick him out. I mean we want my Plug working for us. Of course. So. This is. Um, oh I think I made a mistake here. I'm confused now. Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, so... Uh, so we got... um. So John Byrne is taking over Omega Tribe from Dave Cockrum. And Dave Cockrum is taking over Ms. Nova. They're doing a complete switcheroo there. So basically, just like in our reality, our X-Men is being taken over by John Byrne to rise to even greater heights. And... I believe, actually, that Dave Cochran did a lot of Ms. Marvel. I know he designed her second outfit and drew some issues and covers. But, you know, I just think that'll be nice for Dave Cochran because Ms. Nova's just like our Superman. Kind of like typical superhero comic. Nothing fancy required. And uh, Dave Cochran's going to be great at that. So, um, I think that, uh, yeah, and so that's why... Um, so, this John Byrne will still be just drawing... Two comics, though I guess he was drawing three for a year there. I didn't, I didn't think that out properly, but I guess that's okay. John Burke could do that shit. So uh, he was drawing Ms. Nova and Wolfen. Oh no, no, sorry, because he stops drawing. Yeah, seventy eight. He was drawing three titles. He was drawing Wolfen, Ms. Nova. No, I'm wrong. Ignore me. I'm not even drunk today, and I'm still an idiot. 
So I was thinking too, uh, when I was a kid, I loved um, alternate history science fiction. You know, like those stories that would be like, what if the South won the Civil War? Or what if the Nazis won World War II? They didn't even have a name for it when I was a kid. I'd look up in sci-fi encyclopedias, they'd call them what-if stories. And there was just a handful of them. And, uh, of course, you know, Philip K. Dick's The Man in the High Castle. Uh, Ward Moore's Bring the Jubilee was like a, you know, prototypical one. But um, throughout uh, sci-fi history, many uh, authors have loved to dabble in it. Until now, it's become a cottage industry. The past 20 years, it's bizarre how now alternate history is like a very permanent subgenre in science fiction. So it's kind of like, oh, God, I wish it was like that when I was a kid. Even though I've read a bunch of them, and some of them are pretty god-awful. And, uh, but I still love thinking about the little differences in time that would happen. So, that's something I've been thinking about, like, going through this whole history, saying it out loud for our millions of listeners, is that, uh, yeah, it would have obviously changed comics history so much. When I think of all the writers and artists that we got that kind of made the company like when you think of marvel the marvel age of comics you know starting in 61 with fantastic four none of that shit would have happened without jack kirby something would have happened it definitely wouldn't have been as important and and you know on top of that spider-man by steve ditko if they didn't have steve ditko they wouldn't have had that crown jewel either so things like that i was thinking about um i imagine in the golden age it wouldn't have changed much, though I imagine the fortunes of many of these companies that, you know, exploited these artists, um, they definitely sold better because of that. But they probably would have found some other crappy, whatever, some lesser light to fill their pages. Golden Age comics sold so well, I'm sure they would have, you know, just done the same they would have done. But, um... So, yeah, like even quality comics had a lot of, they had a lot of good artists, even though we got Reed Crandall and Lou Fine from them. And, you know, we got Macra Boy and CC Beck from Fawcett. Okay, there's something. I don't know if Fawcett would have been nearly as popular. They had some other successes, though. You know, they had Spice Masher and they had Captain Marvel. Maybe they still will. No, they won't. We got Captain Marvel, sorry. But, um, you know, they had other, it's just nothing as big as Captain Marvel. And also just having that fun, those artists writing and drawing such good stories. So I don't know, maybe Fawcett would have just limped to an early death after the war when comic sales kind of took a dump for a little while. And, um, you know, Basil Wolverton was all over the place, so I don't think us exclusively having him would have really changed the fortunes of any company. But... Um, yeah, and Will Eisner would have kept doing what he was doing. But I got to say, in the 50s, you know, I don't know if EC Comics, they probably would have been pretty damn good anyway. You know, Al Feldstein and William Gaines writing those stories. They still have Johnny Craig, even though probably not. We'd probably be using him a lot in Amazing Weekly writing great crime stories because he's good too. I forgot about Johnny Craig. I just couldn't think of a monthly title or feature for him. But still, maybe they'd have time to still draw for EC. And they had great writing at EC. I mean, the art was just icing on the cake. They're beautiful, stable of artists. But yeah, and to be honest, I uh, I think I don't even have... I almost gave them leeway where I don't have Wally Wood and L. Williamson come into 55 full force and amazing. 
Because I almost don't want to fuck with them too much. And even Bernard Crickstein is just drawing annuals for us. And maybe a few short stories here and there. But, you know, he's a... Yeah, it's almost like I'm being... where I, I don't want to live in a universe where EC Comics did not at least get to do its run. But who knows? I'd like to think getting really fucking megalomaniacal and, you know, having this god complex in this universe... You know, maybe I would have liked what EC was doing and I could have been their silent partner. Because Amazing Comics would be doing so well. <laughs> we'd be like, hey, you guys, we'll loan you some money to float. Maybe we'll be like co-publishers. You do what you want, but we want to see you guys keep going. Of course, they had Mad Magazine and that kept them going just fine. But uh, their their color comics had to die off in 1955. So that's kind of a shame. But yeah, then I think later on, just uh, comics would have just been different all around. The perception of them would have been different. Um, I think a lot of publishers would have upped their game, would have been like, this guy, this comic company, amazing. Every time a good artist pops up, they poach him because they pay him decent money. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just interesting to think about, at least in my brain, um, like Marvel would probably have puttered out. Maybe they just be publishing some monster comics and some hackneyed shit because that's what uh, Atlas and Timely Comics were known for just seeing a trend exploiting the shit out of it until the trend died and then moving on so western comics were big, they'd have 25 westerns that year and then romance comics, they'd have 25 romances so I think um, you know, DC would still be chugging along, they got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman and then you know but they wouldn't have been nearly as good as, uh, you know, especially in the 60s and 70s. All the, the comics that kind of were like they're famous for. Well, not famous for. They're critical successes. Yeah, we would have had those guys. Though they, they probably would have been doing just fine with some hacks throwing Superman and Batman for all that time. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about. The what if, if there really was an amazing comics. And uh, But I think the comics field would be richer because comics would have retained readers past the age of 12 in this universe, just like they do now. You know, people would say, I don't have to stop reading comics. These aren't idiotic, childish, moronic things. They're pretty damn good. They're just as good as the shit I'm watching on TV, or way better, probably. But... Uh, so maybe they'd, all the comic companies would be doing just fine because there'd be so many readers spread around for everyone because uh, readership would have increased so much. So I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it too much and maybe I'm uh, getting a godlike complex about my universe that I've created. Pretty soon I'm going to be saying how I'm president of the United States there and uh, I'm the king of America but I won't do that. I'm just going to stick to comics because that's what's important in this world. Especially when they're fantasy comic books that don't exist. Because that's what keeps you from thinking about the misery that is life. Okay, everybody. See you next time. 503-880-4545 if you want to send me a comment. Bye.